0: Where is God when we struggle with anxiety? God knows our frames better than we do, and that he'll be there to help and uphold and challenge and grow us when we're dealing with anything, you know. I don't care if it's physical or if it's spiritual or if it's both, you know, God knows our frame. He knows what's going on.
1: Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host Julie Van Warmer, and I'm so excited that you are joining us today. Today is episode 177, and this is our November installment of our Feminology series that we have been doing all year long. We have this will be number 11. Obviously, that would mean next month would be number 12, and that's all we're going to do on the topic of emotions. Although I'm pretty sure there's more topics to discuss about emotions. But um, we have discussed a lot of different emotions this year and how they play out in our lives. And we um, are going to keep doing that. Today, we're going to talk about another emotion. Um, We're going to talk practically how to live this out and how we can even honor God with our emotions and the one we have for today. But before we jump into that, let me welcome my friend to the podcast, Sarah French. So glad you're here with us today.
0: Julie, I am very glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Sarah, I'm so
1: glad you're here. Um, you have been on before a while ago, maybe about a, a little bit over a year ago, I think, and it was episode 92, and it was on the word and the topic of love. That's right. I remember that. Yep. And um, I remember something about a pie in that episode.
0: Was do, there something with a pie in it? You know, I don't remember. I do like pie. Okay. I, I mean, pie is great. <laughs> Uh, what pie. is your favorite pie? Well, in the summer, I'm a lemon meringue kind of Ooh. girl. But then you get to this time of year, and who doesn't like a nice apple pie? Yeah, yeah, I mean, flaky crust and yeah. nice tart apple. Yeah, that's really good.
1: Mm, yeah. You're making me hungry. Maybe that's what happened to me. Is I was thinking about pie, and that's why I yeah. associate you know you with pie. So anyway, I'm probably gonna have to go back and listen to that episode. Um, and but we have had 176 plus episodes, which is really cool. Um, You can find all of those episodes, including Sarah's um, called The Most Overused Word, which was love, Mm -hmm. um, her episode, and you can find all the other ones in our archives. And sometimes I think it's actually really good to even re-listen to an episode that might have helped you. Um, Sarah, let's just
0: have you start off by telling us a little bit about your life, who you live with, and what do you do all day. Okay. Right. Well, I live with my husband Matthew and my six children. Uh, my oldest is a sophomore in college; she's studying nursing. And then my youngest is in third grade.
1: And, and what
0: is he studying? Um, oh, so many fascinating <laughs> things, Betty. Yes. So um, Paddington Bear was one of the books. Okay, year, so he's got some of that okay. going on. I love it. Love yeah. it. So, and he's yes. So, and that, and it, yeah, and he also plays the violin. So he's got uh-huh. a lot. He's got a lot going on. Um, and then we also have a hedgehog named Lucy. I don't want to leave her out. So oh. yeah. So. Does she roll up in a ball? She does. And like if she's scared, is that what it is? Um, she'll no. If she's scared, she puts her prickers out, kind of like you might think oh. of a porcupine oh, doing. Oh yeah. But yeah. she's a very she's a social hedgehog, so she generally oh. you know she'll calm down and let you pet her and do things like that. But she's. You know. Anyway, we don't have to go on and on about the, the hedgehog, hedgehog Lucy, but, but yes, no, someone I a, out
1: there <laughs> is it easy? Let me
0: ask this question: Is it is she an easy pet? Oh, hedgehogs very easy. Okay, She's like you can neglect them and they don't mind. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not <laughs> suggesting you do that, but they're they're very stalwart and okay resilient. Um, and then so that that's who I live with. And then during the day, um, at least during the school year, I teach high school science at nice. my chi- my children's uh, school. And so I'm there with them during the day, and I teach anatomy and physiology and health and physical science. So, and then the next question I have to ask is Have you ever had one of your children as a student? Oh, oh, yes. Okay. I've had, I've had two of my children as students, and I will have more of them in the coming years. Okay. So I also chaperoned homecoming this year. Oh. I was assigned to do that. And I did not tell my children that I was doing <gasps> that until about three hours before the event. I love it. So I tried to get out, I tried to find somebody else to. Fill in for me, but that didn't happen. So they they dealt, they dealt okay with it. We just good. kind of you know nodded to each other across the gym. It's right. a little nodding. Yeah, I didn't try to dance with them or anything like good. that. That's yeah. good. I, I wasn't there to boogie. I was there to <laughs> <keep> <laughs> make an, sure keep yeah. everybody in line. Keep yes. An, yes, make sure nobody's you know taking too many cookies right. or you know that's sneaking right. off. Anyway. Right. That's so, good. Well, yep, that's so, very fun. Yep, so that's what I do during the day.
1: All right. Okay. So Sarah, I also know something about you and that, that is, and I'm going to give you a title. I think you are a foodie. Are you a foodie?
0: I do like food. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've probably I been too. pulled along in that direction. My yeah. husband really enjoys cooking yes. and trying new things. So I think as I probably wouldn't be as much of a foodie if it was not for his influence, right. but yeah, I, I like I, food. I am very understanding of that because I'm yeah. not really a foodie, but the same
1: thing. Mm-hmm. My husband likes certain types. He likes to take a piece of meat. Yeah. And cook it for like twelve hours, right. or or do something on the stove, and you know, oh, you, I can't use like I can't say let's fry that. He'll go, no, 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 we're gonna saute it. We're gonna yes. You gotta have the right lingo. Yeah, you, know? you gotta have the verbs right. for what you're doing. Do right. You wanna make things. a roux? Do you wanna make a roux oh, first? A roux. You know, oh, you
0: do. You wanna make a roux? <laughs> yes, you do actually.
1: You, yes. <laughs> Always uh, roux, and it's it's one of those um those things that if you don't know what a roux is, you probably need to go look it up.
0: Yes, and R O U X. Yes. I did. And early in my marriage somebody talked to me about ruse and I was like, I have no idea what this person's <laughs> talking about. And, I love it. And I had to call my mom to figure out how to what, spell it. Yeah, what is a, what is a roo? Because you want to do R O O, which mm-hmm. probably
1: pulls up, you know, Piglet and Winnie the Pooh. Right. Kanga and roo, you yeah. know. But you're nice Rue. things.
0: Yeah, wrong roo. <laughs> nice <laughs> okay. roo, but wrong roo.
1: Okay, so Sarah, um, a long time ago I, I you and I got together, our families did, and I mm-hmm. think we had um
0: Charcuterie boards. We did. I remember that. This was before they
1: were even called that,
0: right? It was before I could pronounce the word charcuterie. Try to spell it. (laughs) Oh, I could never
1: have spelled it. No. (laughs) Um, And um, and we had we had. I don't think we had a board though. We had maybe some plates, Mm -hmm. maybe a tray. We had all kinds of yummy meat and cheese and crackers, and I think we might have, you know, enjoyed a little glass of red wine with it. Probably. I think that's apropos with a charcuterie. Yeah. So this was a long time ago. So Mm -hmm. I know that you are a charcuterie board queen. Well, that is a that is a high
0: aspiration. Okay. I do enjoy I, I can think of people that we know that are more more queenie than I okay. am, but I do okay. enjoy the charcuterie Okay. Board. Yep. So my question is, um, I
1: think that with the holidays coming, people mm-hmm. are gonna this is a great thing. This is something we and my family have done on Christmas Eve every year. We've we didn't know oh, that's great. it was called that. And actually my we do this frequently where we have little pieces on our plate. I call them picky plates. Okay. I've done that great. since my kids were little. Mm-hmm. So They are just more like the charcuterie feel, you know, Mm -hmm. like you just have like a couple olives and a slice of ham and, you know. Okay. So um, if a woman wants to do this, I want you to give her some, you know, ideas about how to do this and how can she do it inexpensively? What does it look
0: like? What are some, some tricks and tips? Well, I would say that if you want to do charcuterie, there is no better time to be alive than now. Okay. Okay. Yes. So because that. there are all sorts of resources on this. If you are not I am not a terribly visual person and okay. so if I'm wanting to put together a really pretty charcuterie board I will go and look at them on Pinterest um, oh. a, a pictures of how to arrange them. A friend gave me a book called Beautiful Boards Ooh. that has all sorts of ideas of what to put on and how to arrange. So I think if you're you know it's never if if this is not really your jam there are lots of resources um for figuring out how to arrange okay our charcuterie board. Um I also really like last year I started when I would do charcuterie boards rather than using a board because okay. I don't have a board that's really big enough. Well, to they're feed. ridiculously expensive. Right. And I've got a lot of people. Yes, like, you do. We need a lot of things out. And if you have people over and you're doing it, you really need a lot yes. of space. Um, so I like taking butcher paper now, and I mm. will put that out on the counter, and then I can lay everything out on the butcher paper, write on it with a Sharpie marker so people know what's what, and then that makes cleanup really easy. Oh, yes. So for like setting it up, I think those are some good tips. Just, you know, kind of cheat a little bit, look at Pinterest, use some butcher paper. Um, When I'm thinking what to put on a charcuterie board, I generally try to think in threes. So like three cheeses, three different meats, three different crackers, maybe three different kinds of fruit, and um, then some little accents in there, like little things like maybe some olives or some chocolates or something like that. Um, And I try to keep most of it fairly inexpensive, but then maybe splurge on one thing within each of those categories. Okay. So, So that's kind of my approach to it. I try not to... Yeah. I don't think you have to overthink it. If yeah, if you put meat and cheese out in front of people, they're gonna be they're pretty gonna excited. Yep. You put a little bit of fruit with that and folks are happy. That is great. Well, it's um I love to go to Aldi's. Oh, they have nice yes. and yeah. quite a selection. Yes. Although I do have a story about that. Oh, okay. Years ago I was at Aldi and I was in the cheese meat area. Ooh, okay. And about to buy something, and I noticed these two women were opening up packages <gasps> of cheese. And putting their fingers in them and tasting them and saying what? things like, oh, this is good. Let's get this one. Oh, my. So, so I'm just, whatever store you go to, it might not, I mean, I'm sure this isn't just because of Aldi, you know, no. like this is everywhere. You know, just look at your cheese and yes. make sure nobody's been nibbling on it. Yes. I mean, didn't it have like a seal? That did not hold, they were not beholden to the okay. seal. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> Wow, <laughs> they, they broke that, and they they yeah, and they were not whispering about it either. I that's mean, that's like, crazy. Talking, so wow, that's crazy. But well, yeah, Aldi does have some really nice selection yes. of cheeses and yeah. some fun meats and things.
1: Yeah, I love that, and it is really fun to make that be something you do occasionally. It may not mm-hmm. be something you do all the time, or you can even make little mini charcuterie boards as an appetizer. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, a little bit. You don't have maybe you don't put three cheeses things, or three no. meats, but you put less and yeah. that's okay too. Yeah. So Well, and I've been to parties where it's like a cup. Things are arranged in like a little plastic yes. cup. And so you have a skewer of some stuff yes. and some crackers and it's very attractive. Yes. There's pictures of that on Pinterest too. So. Yes, there is. I yes. Mean, <laughs> Pinterest can be helpful, right?
1: But yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will add one final thing and that is that last year I kind of got into butterboards. Oh. Have you ever heard of a butterboard?
0: I no. Okay. I want to hear more.
1: You're gonna have to go look it up. A butterboard is like you, um, you have really good fresh bread. This is like the, oh, opposite. Yes, you know, fresh bread, and then you have all these different things you can dip that bread in. So you might have softened butter, mm-hmm. real good butter, like yeah. that stuff that starts with a K, Kerrygold. Yes, I couldn't okay. think of the name of it. <laughs> um, you might have that, and then you might have some cream cheese laid out, and a little bit of honey on top of it, and maybe some walnuts on it, and then you dip it in that. It is very good. And you just have to just Google butterboard. Okay. I can get behind this. Yes. I I figured so. So it's not, it's probably not as expensive. I don't know. Cream cheese is expensive. Walnuts are expensive. So it's just another fun option. That's all. Right.
0: Another board to put together.
1: Another beautiful board. That's right. That's right. So good. (laughs) All right, Sarah, I'm so glad you're here because really you're here not to talk about charcuterie boards, although that was fun. To talk about something um, that I think is important to women, I think a lot of women struggle through this, and I'm I am really excited to be able to talk about it on the podcast because mm-hmm. the topic is anxiety and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a hot topic right now. Um, a lot of people are talking about it, and I would say many people don't even know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So you know, like oh, but, yeah. you know, is it a sin? Like is all anxiety a sin? Mm-hmm. Is it how can we overcome it? Um, so. Let's just let's just get into it. And Sarah, tell us a little bit about anxiety.
0: Okay. Well, I am excited to talk about anxiety. Well, maybe excited isn't quite the word, but I'm glad to talk about this topic because, as you say, it's a topic that it's hot. It's everywhere. Um, the word gets used a whole lot, and I think we need to have a good understanding of it and um, just be able to have the vocabulary and the vernacular and the terms in order to address it. So. I will go ahead and share my experience about anxiety.
1: Great.
0: When my son Ebenezer was born, I was on a high. It had been a difficult pregnancy. There were complications that threatened both of our lives related to the placement and attachment of my placenta which you never really think about your placenta a whole lot until it turns on you. (laughs) Uh, At one point, our maternal fetal medicine doctor, the one that we were seeing at our local hospital, was convinced that Eben would be born with genetic concerns based on ultrasound images that he saw. So then we had sort of that stress on top of... just the issues with the placenta. I was placed in the hospital for more than a week before Eben was um, born. I was put in the room closest to the operating suite in case I began to hemorrhage. That was kind Mm. of the expectation. And so um, the doctors had really thought through all of this when they admitted me to the hospital. Uh, The day of his delivery, I woke up at I think about 4.30 a.m. and um, my friends and some people came to pray with me at the hospital, and then um, I was taken down. I spent about as much time having remote-controlled balloons inserted into my femoral arteries <laughs> as it took to deliver Eben. I didn't oh, wow. know you could do that, but it's it's a fascinating technology. It's, it's not enjoyable, but it's fascinating. <laughs> okay. um, a hysterectomy was planned to occur right after his delivery via C-section, and when I got into the operating room, there were four pints of B-positive blood at the ready in the operating suite. Along with over twenty-five medical personnel and the NICU team with their crash cart incubator. So wow! I remember my husband's eyes getting really big as he saw everybody, and I was laying on the table, obviously. And I'm like, "Can you count all these people for me?" Cause, wow! You know, I was not expecting to have this much of a crowd with their crash cart incubator. As one of the OB nurses told me, "You're kind of a big deal around here," <laughs> uh-huh. which is not really what you want to hear. You no. don't want to hear that people have been thinking about you uh, in this situation, no. but. Throughout this roller coaster process, I had an abiding peace and confidence in God's goodness and his care for me, and I think that that was clearly a gracious gift of the Holy Spirit, and I believe a result of the prayers and the ministry of so many of those that were around me. Um, As this process unfolded that fateful morning, to say that I was elated when Eben was born without any issues and only spent a measly eight hours in the NICU per their protocol is an understatement. Mm, To say that, yeah, to say that I was thrilled to not have an emergency hysterectomy on top of a C-section requires little imagination. (laughs) Um, To say that I gave a hearty amen when my doctor Mm. looked at everyone in the room and as a way of sort of explanation for why there wasn't this big surgery and all this excitement. um, She said she's been praying, her church has been praying. um, Wow. To say that I gave an amen to that as a given. That experience nine years ago grew my faith in a big way. And my son's name, Ebenezer, is not an accident or a nod to Charles Dickens. Um, His name means stone of help and is referenced in 1 Samuel 7, where the prophet Samuel raises a tower to God in remembrance of the Israelites' defeat of the Philistines. Um, And just like the Israelites wanted to remember that victory and um, Samuel raised that tower, I wanted to remember this victory Mm -hmm. that God had um, in my life and in my son's life and really in the life of my family. Mm. Um, A year later, though, and... Things had changed. I was a wreck. I was a shell of that confident, um, very hopeful, very... um, Strong. Strong. Very, yeah, I was a shell of that woman. Mm. And it was was humbling. Um, I struggled to get out of bed in the morning. I would wake up in the middle of the night paralyzed by fear and worry and unable to go back to sleep. Um, it was a banner day if I did not cry, and I don't mean polite, delicate tears, you know, like where you well up a little bit at a Hallmark movie. Um, we're talking mm. just heaving, gasping sobs. I took little joy in the daily tasks of my life, things that used to bring me great joy and satisfaction, um, were just onerous. The thought of big tasks um, overwhelmed me, and their completion required all of my attention. Um, I would describe it as just having a very limited bandwidth. It was so mm. hard to focus um, and so, completing anything that was big was a big deal. While I remained convinced during this time that God existed and was good, I did not experience His presence as I used to. I felt abandoned by him and alone. It all seemed very abstract to me. Mm. Um, I stayed quiet about these struggles for a long time. I didn't talk with anyone. Mm. Um, I just was I was convinced that I just needed more rest, maybe a better routine. I needed my husband to not be away from work so much. I needed less tension and drama in my life, a better vitamin, more support, you know, it's kind of the typical magazine prescriptions to every problem. You know, Mm -hmm. oh, if you take these 10 steps, you know, your life will be better. It will be perfect. You know, you'll be healthy and well. Um, And although it took me ages to recognize it and much longer than that to admit it, what I was dealing with was a devastating combination of depression and anxiety Mm. and today i would like to discuss and share what the lord taught me through that experience how can we can respond when anxiety bears down on us and what hope we can encourage ourselves and others with when this happens because mm. i'm not saying it's a given that everybody's going to experience anxiety right. but i think it's pretty likely that you're going to be around somebody who does yes and i think we need to be prepared for this this is um maybe it's because we talk about it more maybe it's because it's just increasing it's um yeah, you know, its occurrence is increasing, but this is not something that um, we're going to deal with this as women. Yes, um, we will. you know, and if your mothers, you're definitely going to deal yeah. with this, if not in your own kids and their friends. Um, it's just this yeah. is a very common common occurrence and something that we need to be prepared for. Um, so anxiety is a big deal in our current culture. We've just been kind of talking about that, and it appears to be growing, especially in our youth. Current statistics indicate that about twenty percent of the adult population in the US has a diagnosed anxiety disorder. So wow. That's not just an experience with anxiety with anxiety. That's a diagnosed disorder. Mm. Um and current statistics would indicate that about ten percent of children experience issues with anxiety each year. Um, and my personal experience, although obviously limited and somewhat anecdotal, has no reason to argue with those numbers. Um, I was at a dinner recently with some of my fellow middle-aged friends, and <laughs> as I looked around the table, I realized that most of us have dealt with severe anxiety at one point in our lives. Um, and so that was kind of, in a way, it was sort of like, wow, we've all been through this, right, <laughs> and, right. look, and look, we're here and hopeful. you know. So right. in, in some ways, it was an encouraging thing, but it was also like, no, this is pretty real. Um, also I teach high school students, as I mentioned earlier, and several times in the past year, I wouldn't say it's a weekly occurrence, but, um, probably once every two months, um, while I am lecturing during a class or we're doing an activity, I will look out at my students and I will realize that one of them is in the midst of a full blown panic attack, Mm. you know, and then I'm thinking, okay, well, obviously my focus goes to that student and how can we get them where they need to be in order, um, you know, to, to help them and yeah, yeah, to get back some equilibrium um, and you know that's so it's just this is something that happens. It's anxiety is not rare. That is yeah. my point. Yeah, um, and I think you and I have kind of been yeah. saying that as we've been sitting here and talking. Um, like most emotions, I think that anxiety exists on a continuum, and that different people are going to have different triggers or prompts. They're going to have different symptoms or manifestations of anxiety. Um, So I think that's important to recognize when we're talking about anxiety, just because one person has one experience doesn't mean that it's going to be the same for somebody else. Um, I'd also like to distinguish between anxiety that I think is more akin to worry, you know, something that makes your stomach churn over a concern or a fear, but that passes quickly and responds to normal reason and soothing I'd like to distinguish that from what we might term clinical anxiety or an anxiety disorder. Mm. You know, this is characterized by more severe symptoms that don't really abate and that definitely don't respond to normal management. Um, Mm. And I think that's important to do just because that word has become anxiety has become so much more commonplace, you know, because, oh, I'm having anxiety because I can't find my shoes this morning. You know, that's That's a different thing. That's different than, you know, I'm experiencing crippling anxiety crippling anxiety over a long period of time. So I think we need to um, just make sure that we've got our terms straight with that. Um, Some of the physical symptoms that we see with anxiety include feeling nervous, restless, or tense, having a sense of impending danger, panic, or doom, trouble concentrating or thinking about anything other than the present worry, um, which I would refer to as really decreased bandwidth, um, Mm. having an increased heart rate, Um, And then definitely in the case of somebody who's experiencing a full-blown panic attack, um, breathing rapidly, sweating, trembling, and feeling weak or tired. Um, That list that I just read, I think it's a pretty good list, and it jives pretty well with my experience with anxiety. During the time that I struggled um, with this, I would take my pulse somewhat regularly for other reasons— and I would think, wow, my pulse is really getting higher. I must be getting older, you know, like maybe this is just something that happens right. to you as you get older. Right. But no, when I got better, when I, when anxiety was not an issue for me anymore and I was taking my pulse, it had gone back down mm-hmm. and it was where it had been at before. Mm-hmm. And I realized that my body had just been in this perpetually heightened state. Um, the list that I just read, this is the kind of list you'd be presented with if you Googled anxiety or if you spoke with your doctor about anxiety. Um, and so I think it's helpful and it can help us be diagnostic. It gives us an understanding of what somebody is going through physically with anxiety. But I also think, um, you know, it's important for us to ask what dimensions can we add to this idea of our, this emotion as Christians, as people with access to God's word and his teaching. Because mm. we know that anxiety doesn't just affect us physically. It has emotional, mental, and spiritual implications right. to it. Um, and. As people of God's Word, who have access to this Word. What can God's Word tell us about this that might help us, in um, you know, as we address this and as we navigate this? Um, the word the Bible uses for anxiety in both the Hebrew and the Greek encompasses an uneasy feeling of uncertainty, agitation, dread, or fear. Mm. Um, and the word that is used is also related to the idea of thought worry or care. But when it's used in this other context, um, and i'm I'm no Greek or Hebrew scholar. Okay. Let's just be straightforward <laughs> about that, okay. Um, but as it's when it's used in these settings, it's seen as being a more intense reaction than those would convey. So it's mm. like a heightened level yes. of thought worry or care. One of the better and fairly simple explanations that I've read, is that when the Bible talks about anxiety, it is describing responding to the emotion of fear with hopelessness. And Mm. I think that that really kind of gets at what anxiety is, because we've all been stressed out. We've all been worried. We've all been fearful about something. But I think anxiety takes this to a level where you feel like there's really nothing you can do. There's no hope. You're just lost in this, and you're stuck. And you know, like, People talk about there's the fight and flight response. Mm -hmm. And I think with anxiety, it's more of a freeze. It's like, you're sort of paralyzed by this. And there's, you can't really fight and you don't feel like you can really flight. You're just frozen. Um, So um, I think that 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 at least is a helpful description to me that describing responding to the emotion of fear with hopelessness. And when we look in the Bible, we, I mean, (laughs) the Bible is replete with people. That are dealing with big, scary things—things things yes. that would make you feel overwhelmed, yes. things that would be fearful—and um, these are people who needed encouragement. You know, they were likely experiencing anxiety. I—I yes. I don't imagine that they were not. <laughs> they were immune to this. Um, you know, as I think through the Bible and characters in it, people that we read about—you know—I think people like Job, Ezekiel, Queen Esther, King David, Martha, the Apostle Paul. Yes. These are all people. I mean, you could. We could triple that list, um, you know, quickly, probably, yes. quickly, probably. But yeah. these are people who, um, I think, that we see that they were dealing with big things and scary things, and they were overwhelmed by them. There was, mm-hmm. um, and so I think when we look at these individuals, we're, we're told their stories in the whole. Like we get what happened to yes. them. We get that they, they were encouraged by others, or maybe they encouraged themselves. They preached truth to themselves, and then we get the good ending yeah. or at least the, you know, the Bible ending to the yes, story. We see the whole thing. We see the whole thing, but we have to remember that that doesn't occur. It didn't occur that fast. You know, yeah. when we do our Bible reading and we can read about it in three minutes, it's not like they came to those conclusions that quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, but as we look and we read these scriptures, we can, in all of these cases, these people were either told by themselves or preached to themselves the goodness and the faithfulness of God. They they didn't preach to themselves their own merit. Mm. Um, they weren't preaching to themselves that they needed to pull themselves up by their bootstraps right. and just motor through this. Um, they were what encouraged them. And what we see in almost all of these cases is this big, scary thing was treated with the the word of God and the goodness of God, the faithfulness yes. of God, and that he is trustworthy and true. So mm-hmm. I think that they were encouraged to believe in that, to put their faith and hope in the knowledge that God is trustworthy and true. Mm-hmm. And we can really see this, I think, especially in the case of David, just because we have the Psalms with him, um, you know, he's constantly going through these big, hard things, Yes. and he's constantly putting those concerns in front of God, and mm-hmm. he's petitioning and pleading with God to make himself known to David, to mm-hmm. act on his behalf, to vindicate him, or to bring him out of this mire, this place mm-hmm. where he's at. Um, and so I think that we need to keep that in mind as we struggle with anxiety or as we're encouraging other people that are our response needs to point them to Christ and to God. It's not pointing them to their own works or to to Mm. other things. It's a good point. Um, So I guess one thing, though, that I think we can kind of get into is that if somebody is struggling with anxiety, you know, does that mean that they don't have faith? that they don't trust God because that's what we're pointing them to. I think sometimes people make that leap and they're like, oh, well, if you're struggling with anxiety, you know, maybe you just need to believe more. Maybe you just need to trust more. Maybe you just need to have more faith. And that can seem like a really nice pat answer to give to somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, hey, I have the fix for you. Here's Christ and you just need to, (laughs) (laughs) you just need to do this and then you're going to be fixed and it's going to be great and it's going to be okay. Um, But I would like to suggest that we kind of take a beat on that idea um, and on doing that. Um, I think it is a very easy thing to say. I have said it to people, and Mm. I have regretted it almost instantly. Um, Mm. And I've had that said to me, and I I remember it being said to me, and I remember just kind of wilting and collapsing on the Mm. inside, nodding along like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I just need more faith. I just need more trust. But on the inside thinking... I can't make that happen. Like, right? <laughs> I, I don't know where I'm going to get that right now. Um, so oftentimes when I hear people discuss anxiety, they'll focus on whether or not anxiety is a sin, you know, something spiritual that we can exercise God's power over, or whether it's an illness like diabetes or COPD, something physical that we have little or no control over. Right. Um, and as you can probably guess, I think there are components of both going on. And so I think... We don't get to have a pat answer for anxiety. Right. We don't. It's not a prescription. It's not just going to be able to be treated with a spiritual solution or a physical solution. Right. It's going to be a mixture of these things um, coming together. Um, when I was struggling with anxiety, I began to doubt my faith and my sincerity in Christ. You know, I was kind of like, okay, Sarah, if you really believe all of this, then why aren't you feeling it? Um, And my husband was a huge encouragement to me during this time. You know, he said, Sarah, we have to boss our feelings around all the time. You know, we're Mm. always, you know, I mean, when you're an adult, you know, you've got to tell yourself to go to work or to do things around the house. I mean, we're constantly kind of bossing our feelings around and getting our feelings in line with um, what we know to be true or what we know that we need to do. Um, And he said, you know, we have to boss our feelings around all the time. And, you know, he encouraged me further. He said, people say that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And you've been walking in darkness and not seeing, you know, the land of not Mm -hmm. seeing for a long time. And you're still clinging to your faith. You're still believing. Um, and putting your trust in God. In many ways, your faith is bigger than mine mm. right now. Mm. Um, and hearing that was a huge encouragement to me, like, okay, maybe my problem isn't that I don't have right. enough faith. Maybe I'm just going through something really hard, yes. and I don't <laughs> understand it. I don't know that I'll ever understand it this side of heaven, um, but maybe maybe my faith is not the issue here. Maybe my yes. Maybe there are some other things that are going on here. Um, So if you're dealing with anxiety, of course, I would encourage you to do things that help you increase your faith and trust in God and to be reminded of them and to encourage yourself in that, you know, read scripture, pray, confess sin, um, be in the word, be listening to the word, but understand that there are physical things going on with your body that might make it difficult for that to translate into an immediate feeling of peace and hope Hmm. Um, and it is discouraging. I'm not going to say don't be discouraged because it is discouraging and it is hard. Um, but I would be encouraged that you're that God is still good to you and that your faith mm. is still real, even if you're going through the struggle. Mm. Um, second, I'm confident that God knows our frames better than we do, and that He'll be there to help and uphold and challenge and grow us when we're dealing with anything. You know, I don't care if it's physical or if it's spiritual or if it's both. You know, God knows our frame. He knows what's going on. Um, with us, and He is more than capable to bring yeah. us through that and to have a plan for our lives where He's helping us navigate that. So I don't think that we have to get into, you know, well, what percent of this is sin and what percent of this is physical and figuring all right. that out. God knows, and He's going to be able to, to bring us through that. We just need to, you know, we're going to stick with Him and He's going to bring us through. In um, the heart of my struggle with anxiety, those truths that I'm God's and that He has a plan for me. Um, and that he knows me, Um, those truths were way more helpful to me than sitting around trying to figure out what percent of this is physical and what percent was sin on my part. Um, And it shouldn't be a huge surprise to us. We need Jesus all the time, whether even, you know, I don't, you're not dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with anxiety, you've got anger going on in your life. right? Right. I mean, there's all different kinds of, we always need Jesus. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) You know, this is, and, you know, what an encouragement from Psalms 46, you know, we, where we read that he is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Mm. I um, love that whole chapter. <laughs> oh, it's a, yeah, it's a good one. It's, it's a good serve. one to read. A very good one, one to keep right at the forefront. Um, so now that we have a better understanding of what anxiety is and maybe isn't, how, to respond, how do we respond when this struggle comes knocking at our door? You know, whether it's our door or the door of a friend or somebody in our family. Um, we said earlier that anxiety is a feeling of dread, of hopelessness, of overwhelming danger or destruction that cannot be shaken. Um, and I think if we feel like that is, if we feel like we're dealing with that or that somebody in our life is, I think there are a few things, um, just practical things that we can do. Um, and I'm going to go through a whole bunch of stuff as we're talking here, um, and I would say it's what I talk about is not an exhaustive list, okay. you know. Um, but these are things that I found to be helpful in my experience and in my life. Um, the first thing is I think we need to understand anxiety, to recognize it, and to cut it off at the past so that we don't give it a foothold. Um, about a year ago, my husband was dealing with some pretty significant medical issues. Mm-hmm. And while he was dealing with those, I had also um, just started teaching again. So I had that going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always drama with kids. And th- I mean, sure. I've got six sure. kids. And there, you know, so there's always stuff going on. And during that time, I could feel, you know, just kind of sense anxiety creeping up mm-hmm. on me. And I thought, okay. I know this feeling. I know it I, I understand the I understand this really well. And I recognized it. And I thought, I need to make I need to get into battle mode here. And so I did that. I was in the word. I was not letting my mind wander and think about things that I couldn't control. Mm-hmm. I was being faithful. I tried to be faithful in the things that God had given me to do. I was trying to remember and remind myself of all of the things that He had done in my life before and the ways that He had. Done things in the lives of my friends. Um, I was trying to practice gratitude on a regular basis because I think that that can be a big help against anxiety. Um, you know, so I think if if you feel anxiety creeping up and you, I think you don't want to you don't want to entertain it. You don't want to give it a foothold. Right. You, you you know you you want to cut it off at the pass. Um, and so I think that those are um, you know that's kind of a good first line of defense to just have things that you can put in place that. kind of knock it off balance. The next thing that I was, um, that I found to be helpful, especially when I was in the heart of the struggle, was to preach hope and truth to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to try to reason with anxiety because (laughs) anxiety will all, anxiety is not reasonable. Uh, So you can try to reason with it, but that is not going to go so well. Um, So when I was in the thick of anxiety, what encouraged me and brought me small pockets of peace and hope was reading the Psalms, reminding myself of God's character and his love for me, and recounting the things that I had seen him do. Um, I also had a good friend who put together this beautiful packet of verses for me that Mm -hmm. were just about hoping in God and trusting God. They were truths about God, not so much about actions that I needed to take, but about God. Right. At that point, it's like, well, I... I couldn't take on one more thing to right. do. Um, that actually
1: made you anxious to do those things probably. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, no, I'm not doing this yes. right.
0: So, But just having verses yes. that were telling me the truths about God yes. was a very encouraging thing. Um, and so I think if you're in the heart with anxiety, don't try to reason with it. Um, preach hope and truth to it hmm. and let that minister um, to your spirit. Um, I would also encourage people to not be like me. Um, don't tru- don't struggle silently for any amount of time with anxiety. Um, i I think that was a real misstep on my part. I don't I, I wouldn't say that I don't like talking to people about things. I'm generally pretty open with my struggles, but in this case, I didn't really even understand what was going on, and I didn't have a whole lot of vocabulary for it. Um, and so I didn't share it with people. And I think that just gave anxiety more of an opportunity to gain a foothold in me, both physically and mentally, um, and emotionally and spiritually. Um, as I see it, talking with people you trust and can count on has a twofold effect. You know, if you're experiencing anxiety first, um, at that particular moment, they ha- might have more perspective and presence of mind about how to help you navigate this and get you, and get the help you need, um, when I finally was willing to admit what was going on and could talk about it, um, you know, people around me were really helpful. Like, okay, we need to do this and we need to do that, mm-hmm. and you know, it was very—they had way better ideas than I had, right, <laughs> about things. So, um, you know, much more clear-headed about it. Um, and secondly, when we talk about people about things, um, we can borrow their faith and their conviction when ours is weak, and that mm-hmm. was something a friend told me. Um, Hmm. when she said, you know, borrow Matt's faith, talk with Matt about this, borrow his faith, you know, the things that you're anxious about, the things that you're worried about, you know, don't see it through your eyes, try to see it through his eyes. Um, Hmm. and that I think is a good reminder and a reset for me. You know, I also talked with my mom a lot, Mm -hmm. um. And I had some friends that I would talk about with things and their perspective on things was it was a good reminder and a good reset that the way I was feeling about things might not be all that true and accurate right Mm -hmm. then. And that was a good perspective to to have. So I'd encourage people to, you know, if you're struggling with anxiety, don't suffer silently about that. Find good people that can help you through this. Mm. Um, I think that sometimes anxiety can be triggered by outsized expectations both of ourselves and for ourselves. Um, I think this leads us to insecurity when we don't meet those expectations we've set for ourselves, or maybe we think we're falling short of the ones that others have for us, and maybe they do have those expectations for us, maybe they don't, I don't know, but I know we can get insecure about things. And my co-teacher and I, we have a sticker on our door that says, your best isn't good enough. Uh, (laughs) I love it. And Actually, I teach at a Christian school, so we could talk about (laughs) these things with her. But um, a few days ago, one of my students said, what is that all about, Mrs. French? You know, like, I really, that's not a very nice sticker. You know, and so I was able to explain, you know, it's because your best isn't good enough. We don't get to heaven on our works. We don't do this. Jesus does. Amen. Um, You know, and we need Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage women, I think, especially, you know, when you've got young families or you're really any time in, in any situation, yeah, um, we can have these outsized expectations of ourselves and that can lead us to insecurity. So I encourage people, be ambitious, but be ambitious for God, not for the approval of man or because you think this is going to be another tick on your I don't know what we get ticks on. I don't want to (laughs) say notch in your belt. That doesn't seem right. But, um, you know, be ambitious, but be ambitious for God. And be comfortable with failure. Um, Mm. You don't, be comfortable with falling forward. If you're making progress, even if you're falling down every once in a while, you're still moving forward. Um, And that's been huge for me. And Mm. I think a way that I've been able to set aside um, some of the insecurities that I might have had when I was younger, like, hey. Well, you know, and, well, you and I, we have a friend um, in church, Aisha, and she'll often. I'll ask her, "How you doing?" And she'll say, "I'm making it happen." Oh, you know, I love it, and it's you need like, a sticker like that too. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you need to start making it happen. Where you know what, it's moving on. Right, you're you're doing things. You're moving forward. Right, um, you know, and let your pace and the levels right. that you're set be set by God, not. Um, not by your own outsized expectations or what you think other people yes. have for you. Good good advice. So um, those are some thinking things that I found to be helpful in my struggle with anxiety. There's also lifestyle or physical steps that are shown to be incredibly effective against anxiety. Um, and it seems like every few months there's something new that comes out. And, of course, I pay attention to these things and read about them. Yeah. Um, so I'll kind of preview a few of them here. But if they're of interest to people, obviously looking into them yourself is Probably the best way to do things because you know where you're at physically right. with different right. things. Um, but diet is a big thing with anxiety. They found that people who skip breakfast or who don't have protein in the morning—that mm-hmm. changing that if you're feeling anxious, changing that, having breakfast and having a high protein breakfast—yes, can really be a help. Um, yeah. it's which. I, that's another one of those things when you're in the heart of anxiety. I don't know that you think about that no. kind of stuff. And it can seem like, oh, that's another thing to do or another rush or another. But, um, you know, those are so, you know, that could be yogurt. That could be eggs. That can be meat. Anyway, I'm I'm not going to sit here and come up with menus for right, everybody. Right. I'm just saying diet and, a, and overall just a well-balanced yeah. diet um, can be helpful in the fight against anxiety. Um, sunshine is... A huge thing um, being mm. out in the sun and, and some of the latitudes that you know we live in, um, there's not a whole lot of sun. We're coming up on a time of year where there's not going to yeah. be a whole lot of sunshine, but even just getting out for 10 15 minutes, um, the sunshine, especially as it hits our eyes and our skin, can cue our brain to produce serotonin. Um, yes, and that's a big mood regulating neurotransmitter um, that is shown to be low in people with anxiety. So Naturally upping your serotonin is a really um, good way to fight anxiety. Um, vitamins, a good multivitamin, and especially one that has magnesium, B vitamins, B vitamins in it, and vitamin D have been shown to help reduce anxiety. So, that's you know, taking a multivitamin yeah. and a good multivitamin. You you know, yes, people can not rest- Flintstones, not not Flintstones, probably, <laughs> and probably not the you know the two dollar pack, that's, right? You know. On the end cap there, you know, you want to look for a good multivitamin, but that's, you know, people could do that kind of research on their own. Um, This one, I kind of, when I went to see my doctor for the first time, um, when I was recognizing that what I was dealing with was anxiety, one thing that she really talked about was music, listening to music. Really? Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, I kind of rolled my eyes. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's going to fix this. Yeah. Let me put on a little, you know. I don't know, James Taylor, right, right, Billy whatever. Joel, or I don't know, right. but yeah, sure, music is going to be a big help here, but it really does, and yeah. it's been, there's lots of research on it too, and it's listening, you know, like, don't don't be listening to sad, sad music. Right, um, good point. But upbeat music has been shown to improve mood, and I think one of the things that music does, at least what it did for me, is it gave my brain a break. Like, I mm. was able to take a break from the thoughts and the limited bandwidth, and I music kind of opened that up and it was, and it's also just, it's a mood starter. Um, And so I think music can be, um, listening to upbeat music can be helpful. Um, Exercise has been shown to be incredibly effective against anxiety, um, probably especially walking and things like running um, and probably due to the release of endorphins and other feel-good brain chemicals. So just being active, Mm -hmm. getting up, and when you're anxious, and especially if it's paired with depression, it can be hard to convince yourself to get up and move yes. around. Um, but those exercises have been shown to be incredibly effective against both yeah. of those. Um, th- the other thing that I'd want to talk about is a physical uh, approach to anxiety and depression is medication. And the when I was suffering with anxiety and depression um, and we went to see my doctor, my case was significant enough... Um, that my husband and I really wasn't a question we were fine with treating with medication and using that to kind of jumpstart mm-hmm. the healing process. Um, and in my situation, medication worked fairly quickly yeah, and was fairly effective. Um, I didn't have a lot of side effects from it. Um, and so for me, it was a very positive experience and right. I was able to wean off of it without mm. really any issues either. Um, th- you know, once I was feeling better in my doctor and I thought I was at a level with, okay, you know, your levels are back to where they need to be. Let's try
1: a little bit. Yeah, and now let's
0: decrease this a little bit and move on down. Um, And so it was really a dream situation for me, to be honest, with with medication. I was able to use it to get results that we wanted and then to come off of it um, without any issue. Now, I have friends where that hasn't been the case. They've had side effects from medication or the... um, it hasn't been as effective for them or the weaning off of it has been difficult. Yeah. So I think whenever you opt for this, obviously, you're going to talk to your doctor about it, you yeah. know, and you're going to explore yeah. this option um, and and see if it's something that's going to suit you and how you're going to mm-hmm. handle it. And most doctors, if you go this route, I mean, your doctor would be bringing you in regularly to check on you yes. with side effects and with symptoms, um, you know, so there's a medical protocol for how this is carried out, um, but that's that's another thing that I think can be very effective, especially if a case is severe or it's not responding to to other treatments or other other pathways. Um, so that pretty much encompasses what I have to say about anxiety. I guess for this podcast, I have lots of thoughts um, <laughs> and things that are swirling around in my head, but I think that that um, kind of sums up the the big parts of my experience and the big takeaways that. Um, that I had from my struggle mm-hmm. with anxiety. Um, I'd like to end just with this sort of encouragement and challenge for women. Um, if you're struggling with anxiety, you know, I would really encourage you, don't suffer alone in that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, talk to people about this, get the help that you need. Um, you know, let your, let your friends and your family lift you up and help take care of you in this. Um, and take a moment to recall the times that God has been active and working in your life. Let that be an encouragement to you. Know that he loves you and that he's caring for you in this, even though it can seem like he's very distant and very abstract. That is not the truth. He is there with you. Um, Consider the qualities of himself that he's shown you and that you know to be true. Be encouraged by those and lean into Mm -hmm. them. Um, And without trying to reason or sort out or, you know, trying to be all logical with the areas where you're feeling fearful or anxious, um, you know, don't try to reason with those Pray about those, put them before God, submit them Mm -hmm. to them with the expectation that he's going to continue to work in your life and that he's going to be as active in your future as he's been in your past. Mm. Um, You know, I would just encourage you with that to do those things, um, to seek him and to to find people who can help you through the struggle because you're not alone in this. There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of people that are dealing with this. They have come through it and I have faith that God will bring you through this as well. Mm,
1: wow. Sarah, that was so, so helpful. I, I mean, wow. I have lots of thoughts right now. But okay. Here's my two big thoughts. Number one, anxiety sounds like a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of little pieces that come together to make just like work through anxiety. It's like a puzzle where you, you're still trying to figure it out. So you might be working with you know, changing your diet, but then maybe it's part of its talking. Mm -hmm. Like it's this puzzle you're putting together. Maybe there's medication in there. Maybe that, you know, there's other things. And I think that's helpful to remember, to remember Mm -hmm. that anxiety is not just a very cut and dry thing. It's Mm -hmm.
0: all kinds of pieces that work together. Yeah, this is, yeah, it's got a whole bunch that's going on to it and we have to be responsive and aware of all of those. Yeah.
1: Okay. I also love another part um, I think I've learned some things. Like one thing that's very easy in the Christian world is to look at anxiety as if it is just straight up always sin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and um, But it can cross into sin. There can be sin in there, right? Oh, sure. Anxiety is probably more common than we think, as mm-hmm. you shared. I think more people, which I think if we don't acknowledge that it's common for people, we think we're the only one dealing with it, so mm-hmm. we don't want to reach out, Right. Um, I think sometimes with anxiety, and actually, as I'm sitting here thinking about all the emotions we've talked about this year, we sort of roll in the extremes. Mm -hmm. So we're either like, everything in this emotion is sin, and you shouldn't ever have this emotion. And so, nope, no, no, no. Or we go the other way, and I like your phrase, you said, boss, we let our emotions boss us, and all of a sudden, our emotions are running us. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like these extremes, but we can't live in the
0: extremes, no, it's really unhealthy Yeah,
1: and no fun. Yes, and it's not good for us, and so mm-hmm. we have to live in the middle. And so um, I think that's helpful to remember that God is actually—I mean, He's a part of all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, when we—yes, in every single emotion that we've talked about this year, love and and fear and anxiety and all these emotions that we faced, you know, regret, they all had sin in there somewhere, but also there was a lot of other factors in there, and— Um, We can't live in the extremes. So um, they're just very complex, and there's not an easy answer.
0: No, there's not a formula that we apply to this. We walk walk with God. We walk faithfully with him, and we anticipate that he will be with us, and he's going to show us the path forward.
1: Right. That's what I was thinking. Like, we need to seek God in our emotions. Mm -hmm. And when we have these challenges, whether it is a mental health type of a struggle, Mm -hmm. I think anxiety would fall under that, but it also includes a lot of other things, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, we need to make Jesus our center and our foundation to our emotional health. Mm-hmm. Um well he actually is where we find emotional health to be honest. Yeah. And Jesus is all knowing, all powerful, all present. He's with us. He knows what we're thinking, he knows what we're going through. Um and we can lean into him. I like your your phrase that you used at the end. We should lean into Christ mm-hmm. during these times. So um anyway, thank you Sarah so much for shedding some light on mm-hmm. on this particular emotion i guess we call anxiety an emotion
0: i don't know i'm not sure yeah. we we said that i don't know if anxiety is an emotion i think it goes i think it can be an emotion i think it can be something that crosses the line yeah. into into a medical condition but i think it's whatever it if it's an emotion it's an emotion that has a lot of physical and spiritual consequences yeah. to it which i guess we would expect but it's um We're back to the puzzle thing. Yeah, we're back to the puzzle. (laughs) It's a
1: puzzle. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: right. I should name this episode The Puzzle. But,
1: um, yeah, thanks, Sarah, too, for sharing your personal story. Oh, yeah. That's that's
0: helpful. Would you pray for us today? I would be happy to. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have to just study the things that are going on in our lives under the light of your word and under your direction, Lord. And I pray for... um, any woman who's struggling with this or is, who, who is helping someone who is struggling with anxiety, that you would give them wisdom and insight, Lord, that you would help them to untangle this puzzle and um, to be able to walk in the fullness of um, of hope and of knowledge and of trust in you, Lord. We pray that you would be at work. We know that you are a faithful and a loving God, that mm-hmm. you care for your children, um, and that this is not a place that you want to leave us or abandon us, but that you have um, Good things for us Mm. And we thank you for that For the kind of God that you are And we praise your name for that And I pray that you would be with us as we seek you In Jesus' name, amen Amen
1: And it's time for this episode's Tiny Tidbit A tiny tidbit is just a small, tiny piece of information That can help you in a really big way Today's Tiny Tidbit is brought to you from Nick Spiewike Nick, I'm glad you're here
2: Glad to be here. Thank you for having okay. me. Okay.
1: I noticed something right away. Right away, you are not a woman.
2: I'm not. That's
1: and I'm glad for that. True statement. Yes. And so it's weird to have a guy on our podcast, but I'm looking forward to hearing your tidbit for us.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm here to talk about the podcast that myself, Sam, my brother, and Noah Wing are doing. So it's called Fellow Heirs. Uh, and that comes from the Passage in Ephesians, Ephesians 3, and then Romans 8, um, the Ephesians 1. Just to give a background on the name, Ephesians 1 is talking about how um, we as Gentiles are also fellow heirs of yes. Christ, even though yep. we're not Jews. Um, and then the Romans passage, though, talks more about um, suffering with Christ mm. and being fellow heirs of the reward of suffering right. for him. Okay. Um, right. anyway, the goal of the podcast is just to have conversations with individuals, you know, Christians, yes. uh, godly men we're starting with, but it, we were open to having women on it too, just about their lives, their experiences, how they got saved. That's a big story we okay. want to hear. And, um, just wisdom that they might have to share. Nice. Really what we want to do is glean from like I keep thinking of the word glean. Yes. Get wisdom from them. Here, okay. Yeah. What do you think about this? What, what what did you do in your career and like mm-hmm. how did God work through that, you know, how did he show himself to to just be providing for you in all of these instances in your job and your home life and your marriage and yeah. how you grew up and so. So we're just basically having conversations with um with indiv- with Oddly, people. And we're gonna try to figure out. Hey, uh, what do you think about this scenario? Or, you know, just I'm rambling at this point, but yeah, that's the <laughs> that's, that's okay. the goal. So Nick,
1: this is a tiny tidbit. So you you've crossed the line. I've crossed the line. That's, right, that's I've broken okay. the rule number one. It's now a, a medium-sized tidbit, yes, right? right? Right. Okay, but where are women? Or it really isn't for women. Women can listen, right? But where. are would we find this podcast at
2: you can find this wherever you find unshaken okay. so it'll be associated with Christ the Word um, and yeah it's not it's not just for men we're gonna right. be uh, recording episodes with men starting off and for a good while but it's not just for men so if you're a woman please listen yeah. to it if you're have if you're married tell your husband about it it's gonna or be really good or
1: any man in your life really, or any man in your life your, exactly can a, can a young man like who absolutely. high school college listen okay absolutely. great absolutely
2: yeah if you have uh, yeah you have siblings, brothers that are younger in high school. High school age would be perfect, I think, yeah. um, because these are going to be, we've got three episodes recorded. The first one will be posted, uh, will be ready to listen to on Friday.
1: Which, ooh, so this episode, oh, yeah. this particular tidbit is coming out on on Thursday, which is okay, so. November... Second. Second. Right. So actually, ooh, that's exciting. That tomorrow, is,
2: right, there you you're go. listening
1: in, in the ep, episode today, and it is Thursday. You're going to be able to listen to that tomorrow. Yep. So yep. that's really cool.
2: Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah.
1: Okay, one more question. Um, where did this idea even come from for you guys?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we, I think um, Jordan Art and I had a conversation when I worked for the church for a minute uh, just about doing something like this. And I'd kind of thrown, thrown the idea around, and he had said, he had basically encouraged me and said, yeah, I think it'd be worthwhile. We just, you just have to figure out who's going to do it, you know, because yeah. he was like, I, I don't have the time for that. Right,
1: right. Um,
2: but anyway, so that was years ago. And then uh, this year I said to Noah and Sam, who I had mentioned it to, and they said they wanted to do it as well. I said, well, let's just do it. Yeah. And so we got Mike Arndt as the first uh, guy we interviewed. He okay. sat down, we recorded, and then we okay, got Okay, we've had Sharon...
1: Aren't oh, really? On no. our episodes before multiple times. There so okay, and yep. then who else?
2: So the second one we did was Ryan Beckley. Ryan, okay. had a great conversation with Ryan. And then the third one was uh, Ken Wegren, which I okay highly recommend when that one comes out. Listening to that one, it's they're all good, but that one was so far my favorite. So. Okay,
1: okay, mm-hmm. wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Nick. Uh,
2: thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, glad to have you on today's Tiny Tip. Hey, thanks for listening. Join us next week as we jump into another attribute of God in our God Is series. Next week is God is Good, and we're going to really hash through this to learn and grow in our understanding of God. It's going to be another great episode that you won't want to miss. Also, don't forget to follow or like us on Instagram or Facebook. You can find us at Women of the Word CTW. Lots of content there. Also, you can find us on any of your favorite podcast podcasts. platforms. So go and subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Spotify, Podbean. I mean, really, wherever you listen to podcasts, we are there. Um, and we drop a new episode each and every Thursday. Um, don't forget to check out our show notes for information about these this podcast and all the other Christ the Word podcasts that are put out through our church. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.